Welcome to Hydrate Level 4. I'm your host, Peter. I'm your co-host, Phoenix. And today we are joined uh, by a special guest, a returning guest, actually, uh, Michael Denniston, uh, War Machine Warhorse. How are you doing, Michael? I'm good. How are you all doing? Uh, doing pretty good. Uh, early for us. <laughs> uh, we, we stayed up uh, extremely late watching this last night because I had a uh, Christmas party to go to. So, and uh, Phoenix couldn't find uh, the, the copy, which um, you know I brought home. So, we're doing okay. A little, little tired. Uh, <laughs> I think what the last episode him and I put out together was uh, the original cycle with uh, Jameson from uh, Real Films. Um, so it's, it's it's been a while. It's been a little over a month. Uh, we've you know we've all been pretty extremely busy. Phoenix has been busy. You know, um, what was the end of not end of semester, right? No, no, no. That's, end of first that's quarter. The, that's the end of January. But yeah, not really end of anything. Just to start winter break. Yeah, so he's on winter break now. Um, obviously, you you know that uh, I I've been on uh, another show, also the Pod Flash, with my brother covering the CW's Flash. I've made a couple of appearances on the um, um, Sweep the Leg. Uh, podcast with Michael Masunas and and then you and I we did one which I, I think we um, even mentioned in um, our remake of the Psycho episode mm-hmm. um, and which uh, funny enough today we were supposed to record a, 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 a show for your or an episode for your show mm-hmm. um, and so we had to kind of postpone that and go ahead uh, and throw blame on Shane because it's, <laughs> it's totally Shane's fault he decided to spend time with his family for a uh, Christmas vacation, uh, and it's not dedicated hum- to our podcast, not like you and I are. Yes, yes, bah humbug. You know, and it, it, how, how cool would it <laughs> have been if we were able to do uh, have Shane come on this one where we're joined yet again on a uh, Joe Pesci movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My Cousin Vinny, that was the last time we uh, we had you on our show. Yeah. An eight-year-old boy who is accidentally left behind while his family flies to France for Christmas must defend his home against idiotic burglars. All right, let's get it. Yeah, okay. Uh so t- today we're covering the 1990 uh Christmas family comedy Home Alone. Uh it directed by Chris Columbus, writer John Hughes, stars Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, Catherine O'Hara amongst other people. Um, Phoenix, Chris Columbus, I'm sure that name rings a bell other than the guy who found America. Cause I think you've joked about that before. Um, yes. Uh, Chris Columbus, I don't know where it came from, but it does sound familiar when it first came out to me. Well, uh, I think he directed one of our, uh, previous movies. Oh, that's right. In the Goonies. Yes. Uh, if he, no, he, I don't, did he direct the Goonies? I, I, I know we talked about this when we did, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, but looking at he it, actually, wrote the Goonies. Um, he directed. Yeah, he did. He did write it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he wrote the Goonies. Okay. Yeah. See, so yeah, he did Doubtfire, and uh, I mentioned the first by Harry Potter's before. Um, oh, and and one of your favorites, Percy Jackson, uh, or at least the first one. Uh, John Hughes, you obviously know that name. Uh, writer from the eighties. I mean, I, I know you know his movies. Uh, I don't know. What well, movies has like he been? Scandals. Uh, obviously, he wrote the. Uh, you know, the, the first Home Alone. I don't know if he did the second one. Uh, I'm a Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink. I haven't seen Breakfast Club yet. It's on my queue, though. But, uh, but, but you know the titles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other old cast. Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> John what? John what? <laughs> 16 Candles? What is that? Actually, I haven't even heard of the name, 16 Candles. Bre- Breakfast Club? I thought that was a fake movie on Pitch Perfect. <laughs> 
Um, but uh, the the other actors in this movie did anybody? Uh, I, I know one of the characters. You actually like? Oh, isn't that such and such? Um, John Candy. Yeah. Uh, Bar- who played Barf in Spaceballs? Yeah, yeah. Uh, anybody else you recognize there? Uh, I feel like there's someone else. None come to mind. No, Michael, we're, we're we're these the same age. Did you recognize the guy from Pete and Pete, The Adventures of Pete and Pete? Yeah, stupidly. Did you watch that show. I uh, pointed to my girlfriend last night because we were we we're trying to figure out who all the like kids were, and he's got the uh, younger Culkin in this, uh, who's actually yes. I think our age now. So that's what we would have looked like at that time oh. period, the Kieran Culkin. Um, <laughs> Kieran but, Culkin uh, Fuller. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I was pointing out uh, uh, Pete from Pete and Pete and then I had to correct myself I'm like no that's a Pete from Pete and Pete because they didn't I guess they didn't have the budget to get both of them in Home Alone you can't have both Pete's You're in right. the show but yeah the, the older one now did you watch Wonder Years? Uh, I never watched it consistently like I would see an episode here or there but uh, I don't I don't actually remember much about it because I didn't watch it on a regular basis I just saw a few episodes yeah um, I, I, for the longest time I didn't know that Daniel Stern was actually the voice of oh yeah was it was his name Kevin also? I think so. I wanted to. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, we made fun of uh, um, Phoenix for making us feel old. There's probably other people that are like yelling <laughs> at us for getting like the one years wrong. <laughs> well, I, I really enjoy the song. It's a good song. <laughs> uh, but uh, the let's let's get into parental guide. Something that uh, sometimes I, I tend to forget. Um, now this is a uh, rated PG uh, for. Mainly slapstick violence, you know, very very mild language. Um, I know there's one scene that they actually do say the sh word, and uh, Macaulay Culkin has uh, has a, some lines where he says ass and damn. Well, I don't know if he's yeah he does yeah he says like horse's ass. Um, there's I don't think there's anything very frightening in here at all. Again, I mean it, it, it's it's a Christmas movie, you, you know, so it it doesn't really have anything that's uh, really imp- inappropriate. The the only thing I could think of that might be questionable for for not even questionable too, like um, but for young audience members would be uh, th- there's that scene where Kevin's like looking through a Playboy, but uh. it doesn't even show anything. You know, e- even the um, the cover was was very like you can even tell what it was. You know, they picked if, a if pretty tame. Heard, cover if they're picking a playboy issue yeah yeah i thought so which is funny i uh this it was a really interesting tidbit that i read that that, that specific cover uh had elizabeth Leniak in it is that is that her name maybe i'm saying that wrong that doesn't sound right she was on baywatch i remember the last <laughs> name erica erica Leniak. there you go yeah, baywatch uh good show um but we're not here to talk about baywatch uh we're here to talk about home alone Okay, uh, well, um, Michael, what is your history with this movie? I My dad took me to the theater to see this when it came out. Um, I remember being very excited about this, uh, seeing the commercials on, and seeing this little kid who was roughly the same age as me, uh, using all of his traps and his like toys like against these burglars invading his home. So I was really excited about it when I was uh, that age, and I was, I guess, the perfect age to watch Home Alone when it was released in theaters. Um it's one that I I wanted on VHS, you know, for Christmas, like I guess the next year when it came out. And so I watched it numerous times when I was a kid. And I have revisited it a few times as an adult. And it's it's always held up for me. Like it's one that I try to get around to for Christmas. So thank you for inviting me on your show. It gave me an excuse to uh, watch it again for Christmas. Yeah, no problem. You know, we, we enjoy having the guests when, when we can. Uh, Phoenix, do you 
I, I don't even know if you've grown up watching this one because I know you, you're more of the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. I, I still remember even though I used to love watching the Christmas cartoons of it all. I still watch Home Alone every now and then just because, um, you know, watching the same cartoon every day would get bored. So I had to swap around every now and then. But Home Alone was definitely in the cycle. Yeah, uh, I, I obviously grew up watching this movie, too. Um, I mean, let me see. It came out, looks like, November of 1990. So then I was seven years old, you know. But uh, I didn't go to the movie theater to watch this. Um, I I don't know if it was a rental. It, it might have been something we owned on VHS. But uh, it, I grew up watching it. But it wasn't like a family tradition or anything like that. But um you know, as I got older, it, it it wasn't even like during Christmas. It was just a good movie to watch at any time, really, uh, as a kid for me. And it, I was one of those kids that it, you know, I was a kid, right? So it wasn't like, oh, it's it's Christmas. I'm going to watch Home Alone. As uh, I was a kid, oh, Home Alone's one of my favorite movies. I'm going to watch this. You know, like, uh, it, it's no secret. I'm a big fan of Back to the Future, and I throw that on any time, uh, given day. So, um, but this is, it, it is one of my favorite Christmas movies, uh, though I think um, 2 is probably the one I see the most, uh, because that, that seems to be the one that's on TV the most mm. as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, this, this one, uh, the, the first one, going back and watching it, there were a lot of lines that uh, I'd never really caught before. Uh, so it was really interesting, and um, you know, I, I, I'm really excited to get into it. Uh, but so the very first scene, we start off at the McAllister's residence. Uh, we see a police officer played by uh, Joe Pesci. He's uh, standing in the foyer of this uh, very big house. Um, this family, the McAllister, they're uh, very wealthy. It, it, it's a big house. You can see that uh, what it's like. Um, we find out later that there's three stories. You, you know, later on it's dropped that uh, um, Joe Pesci's character refers it as the golden tuna. Silver tuna. Silver tuna. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that means. Is that an expression <laughs> you've heard before, Michael? Only in Home Alone. That's uh, never anywhere okay. else. <laughs> Yeah, it um you know that John Hughes you know he he has a his, his I don't know if you want to call it a writing style but there's something in every movie that he uh, throws in that that makes you like you know that's a, a very interesting choice of work mm -hmm. but uh, the the very the, the first scene of dialogue we see uh, the mom played by Catherine O'Hara what was her name Kate yeah. yes yeah Kate uh, she's on the phone with a, a relative. And Kevin comes walking in, uh, played by Macaulay Culkin. Uh, I almost said played by Kevin McAllister. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he he comes in, and he's kind of a brat. You know, you know uh, he, he's talking about uh, his Uncle Frank, which we'll meet later. Uh, the, apparently Uncle Frank and some of the other kids, are they're watching some movie, and they're kind of um, uh, treating Kevin like uh, Rudolph, right? They're not uh, including him into the reindeer games, so to speak. And uh, he... Telling his mom, and uh, she's you know she says what that you know maybe it's it's rated R or something. That's why he's no, not she watching. Said, um, if Uncle Francis is bad, then you probably shouldn't watch it. <laughs> okay, then you definitely shouldn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, and um, she says something to him, and this is why I think he was a brat because he's like, well, why don't you get off the phone and make me? Why don't you <laughs> or, or something? I'm just like, you really talk to your mom like that? I mean, yeah, and she just kind of she just takes it. It's kind of interesting. Because at first, uh, I agreed with him, like, because if the other kids are getting to watch this movie, you know, they're not that much older in age. Like, there's a few teenagers, right. but most of them are, 
around his age group. So why are they getting to watch this supposedly violent movie that's not rated R and he's not allowed to? It does seem like he's being picked on. But you're absolutely right. Then he starts taking out on his mom and, like, jumps on the bed and just starts, like, messing with her. And clearly she's trying to get all of their travel plans uh, underway and other stuff on her mind. So, yeah, he, he definitely lashed it out a little bit. It would be funny if they actually cut to, like, the entire family uh, watching it without him and Fuller sitting there, too. Because yeah. Fuller's, like, obviously <laughs> much younger than him. <laughs> um we uh, meet John Hurd, the dad, uh, uh, who plays uh, Peter McAllister. You know, I, I know him mainly from, from Big. Well, you know, not mainly. Um, well, I guess mainly. I mean, I know, I know him from other movies, too. But when I think of John Hurd, I think of Big, where, you know, he kind of plays the bully in that movie. But uh, he comes in, and then um, they they do a little foreshadowing here. Uh, I think he, um, Peter, that is... Uh, tells Kevin to pick up his micro machines, right? Because one of the you know one of the cousins or sisters or whatever almost like uh, slipped and broke her neck on it. But uh, Phoenix, are you familiar with the the micro machines? Not as much as I am with the what you call VHS. <laughs> uh, well, the micro machines are basically uh, smaller versions of Hot Wheels. Um, it's basically what they are. I mean, they still have them. But I did. I guess I don't think they're called micro machines anymore. But. Uh, uh, yep, so that's what they are, and I don't think this is foreshadowing, but I, th- I think it's funny because um, they also talk about Kevin uh, in the garage playing with the torch. Was he playing with the torch or something? I know I know he was making ornaments out of his dad's uh, new fish hooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he talks about not uh, uh, but... burning the joint down. What, uh, as we'll see, see later, he does use fire as a weapon and doesn't burn the house down, so he's completely controlled when he uses those type of tools. Yeah. Okay, um, so everyone's packing, and uh, everyone's kind of being mean to each other. They're all calling each other names. Um, we There's a w- the older Pete of Pete and Pete, him and one of the sisters. Um, they both kind of, well, they, they both talk about Kevin at this point, you know, and I, I don't know, I guess we're just kind of seeing how each family member is kind of acting with Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, we we already kind of find out that Uncle Frank doesn't seem to like him. Um, Which we don't know how many people Uncle Frank actually likes anyway, right. based on how he acts. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, but I don't know, everything that uh, everyone's saying, Kevin's not, uh, he, he just feels like he's being picked on. And um, the, the the sister, at least I think she's the sister, she says that he's going to, uh, Kevin's going to have to sleep with Fuller, who is known to pee in bed when he uh, mm-hmm. wasn't drink soda. or yeah. Drinks anything, and, I think. So this, okay. Uh, so this is kind of a funny line because Kevin, you know, he, yeah, again, he's kind of upset. And he says, when I grow up and get married, I'm going to live alone. <laughs> so how does one do that? You know, if you, you're, <laughs> if you get married, you, at least I think you'd want to live with your spouse uh, so <laughs> not it's, kevin McAllister. It's a funny line not kevin um so that, that's one line that kind of flew over my head when i was younger this time around i was like wait a minute how do you live alone if you're married <laughs> so as a kid i, I guess I, I didn't really think about that did, phoenix did you catch that actually or no i didn't yeah so yeah when i get uh, when i grow up and get married i'm gonna live alone yeah he kind of shouts that as as um uh, i don't know where he goes uh, but the the next scene we we meet Buzz, who uh, his is his older brother, possibly the oldest of the cousins. I, I'm not I'm not sure, but he obviously looks like one of the older kids. And they're in his room, and he doesn't seem to be very bright. Uh, one of the cousins <laughs> asks, 
you know, ask him, you know, who's going to take care of the snake? And it's he's better. like, oh, so, uh, yeah, it's tarantula. tarantula. It's a tarantula. And uh, I guess that uh, his his snake's going to be fine. It's a tarantula. No, tarantula. <laughs> I can't say snake. <laughs> his, his tarantula is going to be fine because uh, I guess it ate some rat guts. <laughs> so it should be okay for a few weeks. Um, but uh, outside the window, they heard some, some noise. And they go to the window and uh, I think this is when Kevin kind of walks in. And then we meet one of his uh, neighbors. They, they refer to him as uh, Old Man Marley. And uh, Buzz talks about how he's got this uh, reputation as uh, the South Bend Shovel Slayer, which I didn't look up. So I, I you know, I kind of assumed that this is something kind of created for, for the movie. Um, but apparently this man uh, murdered his family back in the late 50s. And, and they never found him because they couldn't find the bodies. Uh, but uh, the man's just shoveling snow, you know, appears to be old, and um, uh, I guess he does come off a little scary-looking. Things, did you have any thoughts about him? Um, no, not really. It's just that uh, even though he had a reputation, he just had this problem with staring a lot, too. Yeah, yeah, he kind of stares, and he doesn't say a whole lot. You know, uh, we see him a few more times until he actually says something. So, um, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, you, you talked about the uh, the marriage and living alone line, and I totally agree with you. When I was younger, I did not really catch that joke. I just saw it as him throwing a, a tantrum. Um, now, as an adult, looking at their their neighbor, this supposed uh, like serial killer of sorts, uh, I did not find him to be particularly scary. He looked like he was doing something decent, which was shoveling the walk. Um, he does, I'll agree, Phoenix have a staring problem, but yeah, I think as a kid, that red is more scary to me just because sort of a strange uh, old man automatically was kind of scary uh, who doesn't say anything. But now I look at him as just a decent human being. So that does play differently for me as an adult. Yeah, and, you know, the music cue doesn't help either. You know, it does mm -hmm. kind of set the mood a little bit that, that the guy comes off creepy, which, uh, you know, I didn't even mention, but I, I didn't even know that this was scored by John Williams. Oh, I didn't know, know that uh, either. This time around. Yeah, yeah, he scored it, and uh, I believe he was even nominated for the, the Home Alone theme, which, you know, uh, he didn't win. Um, but, you know, John Williams has scored uh, many, many movies. Uh, very well-known guy. Uh, the next scene, we see a uh, pizza delivery guy. He's uh, driving kind of reckless. He's, um, <laughs> you know, kind of drifting and, you know, making all these hard turns, mm -hmm. and he hits this, this statue in front of the house, which, uh, you know, becomes a thing. Uh, the statue, what is it, just like a small... It looks like a like a jockey, right? Like a horse jockey or something. Not sure. Um, but anyway, yeah, the the pizza delivery guy he hits the statue, you know, picks it back up. He goes inside and uh, he uh, t tells tells the cop one twenty two fifty. You know, uh, the cop's just like, you know, I I don't live here. Um, but yeah, he's asking um, everybody a lot of questions. You know, m m mainly the kids. The uh, who did I say? He's the pizza guy. Oh, well, I guess never, I didn't say never, who it was. talked about the cop. Yeah. Yeah, the cop's asking a lot of questions, um, basically about security and stuff like that. And uh, it's funny because uh, Frank comes in, and I think the cop even asks him, like, are you Mr. McAllister? No, no, I don't even think the cop are talks to him. Are that lives here? Um, he might have. I mean, I don't know. The cop is asking a lot of questions. But, no, I think it's funny because he comes to grab the pizza, and then the pizza delivery guy's like one twenty two fifty. He's like, oh, it's my brother's house. He'll take care of it. <laughs> so you already kind of know that. Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of mild, but you kind of already get a sense that Uncle Frank might be, um, you know, on the on the cheap side mm -hmm. a little bit. 
uh, you know, and we get more later on. But I, I never really caught that before that that was a thing of his. Um, so that's funny. Phoenix, did you catch that at all? I, I definitely caught that. Yeah. Especially on the airplane scene. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, the cops just, you know, he's trying to make sure that everyone's prepared, you know, for, for their travels and, um, you know, when they leave the house for vacationing. Uh, it's funny because this, uh, Michael, how did you watch this movie? I watched it, uh, on, uh, Blu-ray. And so your Blu-ray, does it come with the extended scenes and, and deleted scenes? Uh, I don't know if it's part of the extra features. I didn't, I just watched the movie. I didn't check out any of the, uh, supplements. Uh, now that you mentioned it, I hope so, uh. I hope I wasn't. Uh, I didn't get the Uncle Frank version, which is the really cheap one. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I, didn't, I didn't check that out. Yeah, uh, the, this the, the Blu-ray version we have. It, yeah, it's got um, some of those uh, special features in, to include um, a lot of yeah extended scenes. Um, there were a couple alternate takes of, of different scenes that I, I can obviously see why that didn't work, and uh, some. I don't. Yeah, I think there were there, there was one major deleted scene which you know I I didn't care for at all, uh, but in this scene, well a little bit later, uh, so I'll just kind of save that for for now. He does run into Peter McAllister, the dad, finally, and I don't know. This is where the cop kind of gets more information as far as you know their alarm is um, is automated, you know their lights and things like that. Now, I know that this is a big house. There's a lot going on. People are running around. People are packing. Uh, I wonder how who let this cop in. That's what I was thinking this time. Uh, you know, it, it, it's extremely suspicious. I mean, I don't. I, we didn't have, like, a security system back in the early 90s or anything, so I don't know if it was even commonplace for a cop to show up and make sure everything was good. Michael, do you have any thoughts on this? Like, uh, I, what did you think that I'm in? I thought that it only worked because there was so much confusion about uh, who, I guess, would have let him in. Like, you assume maybe it's, like, one of the kids, and they would just say, like, oh, you know, my parents are around somewhere, and they just leave him alone and let him just wait there. <laughs> as a parent and adult, the, the questions do come across as very suspicious, uh, asking what their travel plans are and what they like plan to do as far as their security measures. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how that. I, I guess it just plays into the fact that you know they they will later leave their child behind. Very confusing, uh, trying to wrap their arms around this this many members of the family. But uh, yeah, totally uh, suspicious. And I, I did wonder if there was uh, alternate measures uh, that could be taken because even if you're, you are talking to a cop, wouldn't you say at least like oh, I've got a family member that's going to house it or like somebody's going to check on the house like once a day or something of that nature. Um, but yeah, she, he yeah. pretty much just tells him like, uh, nope, we just lock the doors and, uh, turn on some automated lights and that's all we can really do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He kind of gives them everything. Um, I, I think it's pretty funny because like when, when the cop was asking like all the kids, like, you know, like, do you live here? They're like, no. <laughs> like, oh, where's your parents? Um, oh, they live in France. Or, <laughs> and then there's one like, are your parents here? Yes. Do you live here? No. <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's pretty funny. And then, and then the cop responds, he's like, of course not. You know, it's probably like a fancy orphanage. <laughs> so I thought, I thought that was a really funny line. And then, so Uncle Frank already took the pizza. And this, this is uh, one of the scenes where uh, it's a little chopped up. So you get the extended version on the Blu-ray. But the uh, Peter is talking with the cop and the dialogue is a little bit longer. Um, I, I forget some of the other dialogue. But he does mention... Um, my wife has the money. She'll be down in a minute, which I don't think is in the original cut, right? Do you get, either of you guys remember if he no. mentions? Yeah, so he does say that the wife will be down because um, 
because she has has the money. Because I know later on that everyone's in the kitchen eating. I did wonder myself, like, wait, what happened to the delivery guy and the cop? And because they're standing outside uh, in the foyer, uh, foyer, foyer. I, I guess either one. Uh, but the, the, that line was dropped. That, yeah, wait here, wait here a minute. My wife has all the money. So when everyone's in the kitchen, this is this scene's deleted. So the police, uh, the the pizza delivery guy asked the cop um, something, and then and then the cops like, hey, uh, so do you live around here? <laughs> and the the delivery guy is like, um, yeah, I, I I do. And the cops like, in a big house like this, he's like, um, yeah. And he's like, uh, is it far from here? And then the pizza delivery guy's like, um, yeah, I can probably walk you there from here. He's like, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, we'll just wait a minute though. So now uh, uh, the cop's gonna go. I don't know, maybe question his family or mm-hmm. something, or go check out their house. So that that's a scene that they removed, which I actually I, I found a kind of, kind of funny, really. Um, so yeah, the the kitchen scene. Uh, you get this panning shot through the kitchen, and it's very well staged because it's kind of one single shot. It's kind of short, but uh, everyone you know everyone's got lines, um, and I don't think they're really talking about anything in particular. But um, I guess Kevin's in the kitchen looking for his cheese pizza, which he can't find. And there's Buzz uh, over there by the counter eating it. And, uh, you know, and then they, I don't know, I, I don't know, Buzz says some words. And it pisses off Kevin because uh, I guess Buzz ate his pizza. Uh, Kevin pushes him and then everybody starts spilling drinks all over the stuff. And, uh, Michael, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, the dad, Peter, he was cleaning up cleaning up the counter and he threw something in the trash and you kind of see a ticket mm-hmm. like a uh yeah if you freeze it i guess it's it's kevin's plane ticket or something yeah it's like got that. it's got kevin written on it but no i don't i don't remember ever catching that as a kid but when i was watching it you know on the blu-ray for this podcast i actually stopped it and like pointed it out to my girlfriend i was like oh did you see that i was like oh, that's cool that was like his past it's just like one more thing uh that will help them forget Kevin because they don't have his passport and ticket there as far as uh, wait who's supposed to be holding this why doesn't Kevin have this it, like if that had still been there they might have looked for Kevin to like at the very least hand it to him uh but right. yeah so it's just one more little detail that I, I really enjoyed on rewatch yeah uh, and then, so everyone's mad at Kevin. There's a extremely awkward silence. Um, probably, probably the first time I've ever seen one on TV. And uh, so Kevin is sent upstairs, and him and his mom kind of go back and forth, you know. And he's uh, basically unhappy and saying he doesn't want a family. And his mom's saying, you know, well maybe you can ask Santa for a new family. Uh, Phoenix, what do you think about this exchange between Kevin and his mom? It seems like it was something that happened, um, that has happened before, that. Uh, Kevin's mom is kind of used to it that she knows what to say and it's just another thing that he's going through yeah uh, I guess I forgot to mention that before it, this is also kind of foreshadowing but uh, in passing before they went upstairs or before the you know his mom took him upstairs they passed by the cop because she does finally pay the pizza delivery guy um, and the, the cop gets like a, a few more things from her too you know he, he kind of uh, confirms that they're going to France, I think, at this point, you know, to go see uh, some family members and uh, that they were not having a family reunion, that they were all prepared to leave in the morning. Um, but the cop smiles at Kevin, and then Kevin sees a gold tooth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of sh- shines at him, so that that will be a little foreshadowing. Uh, but, yeah, uh, at uh, upstairs on third level, uh, Kevin wishes they would all disappear. Um, now, 
I, I guess I didn't catch this as a kid too, but uh, the mom, she does mention that Fuller was going to come up and join him later on anyway, <laughs> which, you know, Kevin's like, well, no, you know, he's known to wet the bed. And she's like, okay, well, fine, we'll put him somewhere else. Because I always wondered, like, why was Kevin upstairs by himself? Because Fuller was supposed to go up there. So I guess as a kid, I kind of missed the line that, you know, that she'll just have him sleep somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the next shot, um, it's outside, and you see that it's extremely windy. Uh, you see one of those uh, plastic light-up Santa statues blowing across the street, and uh, one of the branches uh, breaks and knocks out the power lines. You know, so so now the, the uh, McAllisters are without power, and um, you know you, you see their um, alarm clock go off. And uh, the next morning, everyone wakes up late. So uh, uh, a brief—I I wouldn't even really call this a montage, but it's just um, everything's all sped up because you know. Um, they're trying to get ready, and, and obviously everyone's late. Uh, Kate, the mom, she uh, tells one of the uh, one of the girls to go get a head count, and uh, so all the kids they're outside lined up, um, packing up, uh, and at the same time, I guess a, a neighbor kid, uh, name of Mitch, right? Mitch comes over, and he starts. Um, I don't know. He just starts asking the those the drivers of the vans. You know, just. He's just over there bugging them, I guess. I don't know. Phoenix, what would you think of this kid? He, okay, he really got on my nerves, even though it was just one short scene. Like, he ruined everything. He just came over and started playing with their toys and just, like, I don't know. And I he, just didn't like him whatsoever. And he's one of those kids that won't shut up, too, when they, they start talking. You, you know, he just, uh, he's, like, question after question, not really giving, like, um, you know, the person, like, a, like a chance to respond. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one, you know, one of the... Uh, drivers was just like you know tell them to hit the road and the other one's like gee i don't know kid you know just uh they're not paying any attention to him but uh i, I guess he even even uh mitch here knows that the uh the McAllisters are going to france and he himself says that uh, his family the murphys are uh going to uh orlando um so outside, uh, yeah, the, again, one of the girls, she's getting a head count. And I think from this movie is where I do what Buzz does. So as the girl is counting, Buzz is throwing out other random numbers, too, to, trying to throw her off. I think as a kid, I, I kind of ticked that, and I would do that any time that came up. <laughs> Which, um, you, you know, it, it's, a, it's a thing that I think a lot of kids did, but I think I did it because of this movie. So... Um, there are worse things you could have taken from this movie, like the uh, the, acts, oh, yeah. the acts of violence that Kevin will later uh, yeah. commit. Maybe uh, repeat some of the threats too by uh, <laughs> you know the, the crooks later on. Yeah, um, but yeah. So so uh, the parents finally come out and they get a little recap. Now this one, uh, this joke, I still kind of do. So the mom asks, you know, uh, did you get the head count? And then she kind of counts back, you know, how many girls, how many boys, how many parents, how many drivers, and ends it in a partridge in a pear tree, which is something I actually kind of do at work. Um, Because at work, you know, again, I'm a mailman, and I have to kind of sign out certain types of mail, you know, uh, for example, express and stuff like that. So, So every morning they'll come to me and say, oh, you have two expresses, three certifies, you know, whatever the case may be. And then I'll usually end it with a, a partridge in a pear tree. So it's kind of corny, but I, I, I use it. Um, let me see. The the next scene, the family's running through the airport. I really like this scene because they're playing, uh, uh, the title escapes me. Is it Run Rudolph? Or it's, it's the Rudolph song, right? The Isn't that um, Chuck Berry? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. 
So, uh, yeah, that song I really enjoy. And so they're running through the airport. And this is where things are extremely different because this is pre-9-11, right? Uh, the, the entire family gets there just in the nick of time. And they don't, they don't have to show ID like you do now. Mm-mm. You know, because now you'd have to line up. Go through TSA. You have to show ID along with your your boarding pass. So uh, they all they all just show up and they're able to go go into the terminal just fine. Um, they get on they get on the plane and then Frank uh, Uncle Frank here he uh, requests for some champagne and he's like it's free isn't it you know and uh, so again uh, Uncle Frank you know taking advantage of uh, the the freebies um, you know the parents are settling in and uh, Kate says you know hope we didn't forget anything. And then, uh, you know, we cut to Kevin. Uh, he's waking up, walks around the house, goes to sit in the kitchen. And the uh, house is awfully quiet. Um, I don't know what's actually... What do you think, Michael, what do you think is running through his head at this time? I think he believes that his wish actually came true, that he had some sort of, you know, at least magic power the previous night. And uh, he has wished his family out of existence. Um because he doesn't react like he's been left behind as much as uh, he has caused this. So I, I think that's what's running through his head. Yeah, and then from, from here, it just cuts back to the plane real quick. It's a real brief scene, but I only took note of it because, uh, again, it's more of Uncle Frank. He's, he's sitting there with his wife, uh, I think Leslie or something, and he's like, I think this is a real crystal. Put them in your purse. Put them in your purse. <laughs> you know, so he's telling her to steal this. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was a plate or or a cup or whatever. But the uh, stewardess comes by and he's like, hey, "Can you can you fill up my cup?" And he, he repeats it like three times too, like "Fill it up, fill it up." <laughs> uh, Uncle Frank, funny character. Um, Let's get his money for A lot funnier. Yeah, and to be fair, he probably didn't even pay for it. Yeah, he gets uh, someone <laughs> yeah. else's money's worth, basically. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably Peter paid for it. Um, which I, I wonder if it's them or brothers, because they're both McAllisters, so they're they're, they're probably brothers. Uh, funny enough, I I, I read that um, I think Kelsey Grammer was who they had in mind for the Uncle Frank role, mm. uh, which which he probably turned down. And I can kind of see that, you know, they uh, um, I think that would have been funny, but but yeah. Kelsey Grammer. I don't know. He probably wasn't even too big for this role. He just kind of turned it down. Um, and since we're kind of on that subject, uh, I guess John Lovitz turned down the role of Harry. That would have been really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't I know think if he would have been the same, though. Yeah, I don't think he would have been as menacing. Um, yeah. But he definitely would have been funny, uh, that's for sure. Phoenix, do you recognize that name, John Lovitz? No. Uh, is it someone famous? Well, he, he's a known <laughs> comedian, but um, you you would know him from um, Wedding Singer. I, I forgot his name in there, but he was the the, the competing uh, wedding singer. The the weird one. Yeah, the weird, the really weird one. Oh, oh that's, okay. That's John yeah, Lovitz. Yeah. So he he turned down the role of Harry, um, which uh, I don't think we even uh, get to know their name yet. But uh, we go back to Kevin again, he's walking around, calling out for every family member. Um, goes into the basement, and then I guess we kind of find out that he's um, scared of the furnace. Um, and he runs outside. He sees the cars in the garage. You know, the garage is open, and uh, he thinks that they didn't go to the airport because he sees the car. And that's I think that's something a kid would actually think. You know, he wouldn't even think that uh, you know the, the there were drivers that were um, you know hired to come pick them up and shuttle them to the to the airport. So. Yeah, and then this is where he, uh, yeah, he says he thinks his uh, his family disappears. So, uh, brief montage of him running around the house. Phoenix, is this something you've ever done before? Running around the house? <laughs> yeah. Yes, actually. <laughs> so yeah, he, he, so he's he's running around the house, and then we uh, see him go into uh, Buzz's room, 
and opens up uh, like a, I guess like a Footlocker or some kind of chest. Um, and he so this is where he reads a Playboy magazine. Um, he finds some firecrackers and a picture of Buzz's girlfriend, which both uh, Phoenix Hugh and I laughed when we saw it. Um, now I read this that the uh, the kid or the the picture of the girlfriend is actually a boy dressed up as a girl, <laughs> and I guess the the reason was the the director he he felt bad for he he, he didn't want to um, I forget the wording but basically he didn't want the girl to feel bad for being the girlfriend of Buzz you know for 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 the reaction that Kevin gave you know like Buzz your girlfriend woof you know right, so, right. yeah if, if it was a real girl it would kind of been you know a little uh, a little mean so it was actually mm-hmm. one of those um, crew members like son dressed up as a girl <laughs> but just the expression on the face I think it was a really funny picture um, and then Kevin looks up see uh, Buzz's BB gun uh, and then he lines up uh, some toys over by which um, I, I guess is a laundry chute is that what that is mm-hmm yeah, yeah. So he lines up some toys. Now, uh, Michael, did you get a good look at some of these toys that he lined up? I didn't. Um, probably just due to the fact that, uh, and this makes me a very unprofessional podcaster, that my dog was probably like <laughs> getting into something and I got up to like shoo him away and then like resume watching the movie again. Yeah, th- this might be a bit of a stretch, but the very last uh, uh, figure, it, it was a, a basketball player wearing a green uniform. So I, mm. I wonder if it was a uh, Celtics. Probably Larry Bird. Larry Bird. That's what I was thinking. Uh, Now, there is an extended version of this prior to Kevin shooting down these, uh, you know, sports toys or whatever you want to call them. um, He's actually um, kind of uh, sentencing them. You know, uh, Hmm. that was very interesting. Yeah, he gives them a little sentencing before he actually shoots them all, which uh, good on him. He actually hits them all bullseye. (laughs) Um, And then this one. (laughs) Now, I have a question for you, though. Yeah. Would you have been upset if he was shooting at uh, Clyde the Glide Drexler in this scene? (laughs) I might have been because um, what – see, what's the big – I'm trying to think of the game now. I I know Blazer fans are going to kind of look down on me on this, but I want to say the – was it the 92 – series with the bulls where they where they mm-hmm. went to the finals and lost yeah, yeah see so so Not this wasn't then yet too. yeah so yeah so so we're we're about two years away from that so i, I think i would have been okay cause, <laughs> because because <laughs> had it been like 90 uh no if it was kevin was the one who's playing with the voodoo dolls so it would have been kevin's fault that the oh, there you didn't go win the championship yeah, exactly it well, is yeah I, well, john hughes is a uh, probably a chicago fan right aren't all of his films set in illinois and so kevin would be a bulls fan so he would be totally in the right to shoot down isaiah thomas or magic johnson or yeah. clyde drexler all of those competitors for jordan in that time frame yeah i i think he is because uh john hughes that is um because i think even um trains planes and automobile right doesn't doesn't it kind of starts off in chicago or something i, I want to say uh, that Almost all of his films are related to Chicago or the state of Illinois. Yeah, because uh, I, I do know that um, there was a, a Bulls sticker, I think, on Buzz's shelf. And then later on, we obviously mm-hmm. see a um, like a life-size cutout of Michael Jordan. So, yeah, he himself could you know very well be a, uh, a, a Bulls fan. Um, but the, the next shot, uh, Kevin is watching a, a black and white film called Angels with uh, Filthy Souls, and he's eating junk food. Is that an actual movie? No, it's not. Um, I, I think the, the title is, is actually a play on like a, a James Cagney movie, too. 
like angels with dirty faces or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was actually created for the um, for the movie, which yeah, you can see the entire clip on the uh, on the Blu-ray, um, maybe even the DVD. I'm not sure. But for, for sure, I saw the um, the uh, selection on the Blu-ray. We get a, a, a quick scene of uh, Kevin. He's kind of um, dressed in, you know, winter clothes. He's got his, you know, poofy jacket, his beanie on, and he's standing on the top of the flight of stairs with a sled. And uh, he goes down the stairs and uh, out the door, and he kind of slides out, you know, down the sidewalk into some bushes. Um, now, there's uh, one thing that is cut out from this scene, uh, which, uh, you know, it would be the extended, uh, you know, the extended scenes. But uh, when he gets up, he looks over to... Uh, the neighbor and it's old man Marley who's staring at him yet again <laughs> and Kevin's kind of like <gasps> you know gasps and uh, he, he gets up and runs back inside the house so th- they probably cut it out just because I mean we've already mentioned that there's so many scenes that uh, you know where he's just you know staring you know mm-hmm. and, and it's, 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 just, it's just another shot of him with no dialogue you know just setting it up um, we go back to the airplane, uh, no, airport, and I think they're in France now. No, no, they're still on the plane uh, because the flight attendant, uh, you know, I guess they had spoken to the pilot and they said, that, you know, they're going to do whatever they can. And uh, Kate, the mom, she's just, you know, she's just sitting there and, they, you know, everyone's realized that they forgot Kevin and they're all trying to calm her down. And here we go, Uncle Frank comparing uh, Kevin to a, a pair of reading glasses. <laughs> you know, he goes, you know, if it makes you feel any better, I forgot my reading glasses. <laughs> so that kind of shows the relationship uh, between uh, Uncle Frank and Kevin. You know, um, th- doesn't think too highly of each other. So, <laughs> uh, so the next scene, we, uh, Harry and Marv. So we do find out that the cop that we had seen earlier is actually, uh, uh, was a criminal, you know, just in disguise. And they're talking about how um, um, Harry, he has, uh, has it, I, I guess he took down the notes of, um, you know, everyone's automatic timers. And he's just, um, you know, showing Marv how uh, he knows when each house is, um, the lights are going to go off. So uh, Phoenix kind of made it a point like, well, I don't know if it was at this scene that you kind of uh, questioned it. But it was just, I don't know, it, it all was like within one minute too. Uh, it was just kind of, I don't know, it's not bad editing, but I just thought it was a little too convenient, you know, that uh, he knew, like, by the second, you know, the, when when one of the lights would um, go off. So, just a little nitpick. Uh, Harry and Marv, they pull into the driveway of the McAllisters, which, uh, uh, it wakes up Kevin. So, I think this is in the morning, right? Yeah. No, or... No, it's at night. It's at night? Yeah, it is at night because I remember him seeing the silhouettes of uh, Harry and Marv as they're walking by the window. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hears them whispering about going down to the basement. If you're whispering, sure, why not? Um, but he races downstairs to, to kind of beat them to the door and he turns on the light, which kind of scares them away. Uh, now, if I was the crooks, I kind of would have assumed that it was like maybe a delayed automatic timer, maybe to turn on the backlight. What do you <laughs> think, Michael? Yeah, um, it was actually my girlfriend that pointed that out. She's like, you know, for these criminals that are going to brazenly rob like pretty much every house on this street and seem so confident and knowing all these automatic timers, uh, it seems like if one of them, one of the lights comes on that he didn't account for, it it completely freaks them out. Like they automatically assume that someone is home. Um, 
and she didn't she didn't really get that. And I actually agree with her that yeah, it just seemed like it's like oh no, the basement light. There must be someone down here now. So yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought they actually got freaked out a little too quickly there, but. Um, as we'll see later, they, they don't scare easily when they should scare, like when they're getting beaten to a pulp. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, uh, they're kind of inconsistent in the behavior, but it, you know, it's, it's a family movie. Right. Uh, the, the next, the next scene, uh, the family's running through the, uh, airport now, now they're in France and here's one of the things that was cut out. It's really funny. We, we see a family, um, that is, uh, waiting for someone to arrive, assuming they're also the McAllisters, you know, uh, Peter's family. Uh, so it's uh, Peter's brother and his wife and I think two little girls. And they're standing there and they, they unroll this extremely long banner uh, basically saying, hello, welcome. You know, it, it's all in French. I kind of forget what it says, but it's extremely long. So the family is running through and they're obviously like, you know, they just landed, right? And they want to do whatever they can quickly to try to, you know, get a hold of Kevin, you know, send somebody over or whatever. Uh, but so the the, the family... Uh, Peter's brother's family, they're standing there with this long banner, Peter's, uh, the, the McAllisters that just arrived, they're running through, and then they do like what the football players do, they, they run through the banner, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they, 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 they don't even say anything to those other family members, and the family members kind of like, wait, what's going on? You know, so, so that was cut out. Uh, and I, I thought that was funny, but I can understand why, because those family members we don't see at all. Right. Um, uh, I, I just thought it was kind of funny, though, when I did see it. Uh, so it it's really funny to see, like, a, a deleted scene from a, a movie, you know, from, like, years ago. And, and for it to be like, you know, I can see why they took it, but, man, it would be so funny if they just left it in. Um, so uh, that was really interesting. Obviously, it doesn't have, like, the, you know, the audio background noises added in or anything like that. But, the, you know, the shot's fine. Um, but uh, the mom, she kicks off uh, some lady off the, the payphone, which this this kind of like I don't think this movie could be remade. If it if it if it does, it's not gonna work because this movie only works because there were no payphone or cell phones at that time, you know. Because now they could have easily texted Kevin it, mm -hmm. while they're in the plane, you know. Hey, sorry, we forgot you. Stand tight. We'll come back home. Whatever the case may be, then the movie would be over, you know. And for a family that's so wealthy, I'm surprised nobody had a cell phone. Um, and and I guess even if they did, they probably wouldn't have been able to call home, you know, because you know, uh, I I don't think I, the only kid I could think of that would have had a cell phone around this time was Zach Morris, right? I, so I don't know if uh, I don't know if Phoenix, you didn't get that reference, did you? Uh, do I know a Zach Morris? Yeah, say by the bell. <laughs> but yeah, so, so I don't know. I guess even if uh, Peter McAllister had a, a cell phone, uh, you know, one of the brick-sized ones, I, they probably would have been wouldn't have been able to reach uh, Kevin anyway because you know the, the power's out, right? So the phone lines out. Um, would would the phone lines go out? I don't remember. It was, well, it was. It's, it's interesting because they had the uh, the guy say they were going to be out for what just a couple of days early on right right before they're leaving and i can't remember does anyone ever attempt to call i i, I was always kind of confused as far as what the timeline was as far as how many days he was actually alone uh right but uh, i just know that they they do send a police officer and of course he's too freaked out to answer the door so that seems to be their their only effort to actually like contact kevin and the, the police seem to be of no help uh right <laughs> when no one answers the door they're just like well He's not answering, so I guess we're done here. Case closed. Um, 
<laughs> Which, I oh, mean, well. it, it is a movie, so you've got to get to the, uh, you've got to oh, make sure. some leaps in logic. Uh, how how long do you think of the flight to France? Let's see. Because, uh, yeah, maybe you could try looking that up. So, uh, and they're and they're flying from Chicago, so Chicago to France, however long that takes them. And then when they get to France, I know that um, the flight attendant she kind of suggests to um, to maybe wait on standby, which would have been two days. So mm-hmm. I want to say that they. Um, uh, that is the twenty third, maybe, because then, because then, um, Kate she gets back, you know, and obviously I'm jumping ahead, but Kate gets back on Christmas Day, so they must have left on about the twenty second. I wonder, yeah, what the time difference is too. Between, uh, between looks like and it's Chicago. It's a, a nine hour flight from Chicago oh, to that's, Paris. That's not so bad at all. I thought I thought it was a lot longer. Okay, so. Is it, yeah, it could be about the twenty second, twenty third. So he's probably yeah only home alone for about three days, because uh, the standby is a two day wait, and then you know, and Kate couldn't wait that long. Um, so she is everyone back. See now I'm a little confused. When does okay Kate flies back to the U S. right because the family stays there. Mm-hmm. They wait. Wait a minute. Yeah, she flies back, but she can't get a direct flight to Chicago. Okay, that's what it is. And so what it is, it's the actual car travel with Candy that puts her behind, which actually kind of makes her arrival seem somewhat pointless because the family shows up like almost immediately yeah. after uh, getting a direct flight. No, yeah, but I can, I can completely understand that. You, you know, there, there's no way I'm going to wait two days. You know, uh, lo- lo- logically, you want to wait for standby, you know, because like what else can you do? Mm-hmm. And like, like a mother, I, I, I can see that she like just – I, I don't even care. You know, like, she could have gotten there a day late, but, like, she tried. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, uh, so so I, I could kind of see. I mean, because if, God forbid, we we ever left Phoenix at home, I mean, now it would be a little bit different. We'd be like, hey, you know, that's fine. You know, play your Xbox. We'll <laughs> we'll get back when we can. But we we also don't have that big of a family, too, to, like, to really misplace Phoenix. But, you know, that, that also kind of brings back, like, how careless are they to not even, like, um, the roll call. They shouldn't have counted. They should have just called out names, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, I guess we did, uh, didn't did mention that they mistook uh, Mitch, who was, you know, in the vehicle with them, as Kevin from the backside. So... Kevin is hiding under the bed. Um, the family, oh yeah, so the family was making, um, you know, they were going to make calls to the people who lives on the street. They were going to make calls to other family members. Um, but yeah, Kevin's under the bed, and he kind of questions himself, why is he even hiding under the bed? You know, he you know, he shouldn't be afraid. So he kind of walks out, and I guess he was actually going to go confront the criminals, you know, Harry and Marv. So he's outside saying he's not afraid anymore. You know, he's repeating it over and over, and then comes Old Man Marley. So Old Man Marley thought that he was talking to him, <laughs> which Kevin screams, and then he runs back inside the house. Uh, so is is this where he's, like, running every which way, and then he, like, runs up to the camera and screams at the camera? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that, that, that I think that's uh, one of the scenes that's actually in the trailer, too, right? Where, where we see that, where he comes up to the camera and screams. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing we get Kate calling the, the police department and the operator, uh, she transfer her to the family crisis because, uh, what does she even say? She just says that she forgot her son at home. So the lady's like, oh, family related. I'm transferring you to family crisis. 
And then the police officer was like, hello. And he starts asking all these questions. Did the child choke on this and that? And he's kind of like, wait, why are you even calling? And she's like, no, I just want somebody to send a police officer to, to my house. He's like, all right, hold on. Let me transfer you to the police department. <laughs> so they kind of go back and forth heading off the buck. But neither neither the police officer or the uh, uh, the operator seem to be very busy to like not even take the call. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I, I think this is really common, too. Like People always transferring one to another. It's, it's really weird that... That, um, that seems to be a very timeless thing. I mean, we're, we're on the phone with customer service. We're still being transferred from from uh, you know person to person. That that hasn't changed, you know, in 24 years. So that's a very interesting scene there. Uh, now the police officer, I, I forget his name, um, but uh, I, I I knew him from that creepy neighbor from Friends. Oh yeah, you're right. Downstairs, yeah. yeah. So that was him, and then he was also on on a few episodes of Breaking Bad, where he uh, he owned that the the, the junkyard, the, the car lot. So, I, Michael, did you ever watch Breaking Bad? I did. I was a yeah. was a Breaking Bad fan. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think I knew that of you, but uh, we, we we may have to do an episode on that one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, did you also notice uh, Hope Davis as the French? Um, like the person at the airlines or ticket counter that's trying to help out. Uh, I know, I know that name. What what else has she been in? Right off the bat, I'd recognize her from. Uh, she was in a movie called The Weatherman with uh, um, Nicholas Cage, Cage as his wife. Right. Uh, she was also okay. in About Schmidt as Jack Nicholson's uh, daughter. Um, but she's been in a lot of some Arlington Road with. Uh, Tim Robbins and yeah, Jeff Bridges, yeah. Real Steel with uh, Hugh Jackman, I think is a more recent one. She's, you know, it's oh, kind wow. of a character or actress who's been in uh, a lot of things, but this would have been, she didn't really start appearing regularly in films and starring roles until like the late 90s. So this is really early for her in 1990 and having just sort of that one scene. Uh, but uh, yeah, very recognizable and funny that they cast an American actress just was uh, putting on a accent in this part. Yeah, well, you know, they probably never got to France, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Like, they can just hire an actual like French actress to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just one scene. Accent. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's not it's not like a huge salary or like a star making role to where you need Hope Davis in this part because nobody knew who she was at that point. Yeah, I I, I don't see. I I'm kind of familiar with her name, but I know all those movies, so I guess she's just someone I never really paid attention to. Uh, so that's too bad, you know. Uh, hopefully she hasn't like won anything big. <laughs> then I'd feel really bad not knowing her. Um, we get uh, let's see here. We're so the, yeah, they're talking to her, and all the flights are booked. And this is when she says, you know, if you just wait two days. Um, but yeah, yeah, Case just very adamant about getting back to home. Um, but this is where the 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 family kind of splits up. You know, Kate, you know, goes back and the family stays. I don't know if I'd be able to do that. You know, if if I had my wife go back by herself, I I would probably um, kind of volunteer to go back. But I I kind of get it. You know, so I well, don't know. I, I I had some... especially because she ends up getting two tickets. She ends up taking the uh, tickets from a, a couple who are getting ready to go back. Uh, so right, she would have had a, she would have had a ticket for. Uh, 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 her husband or someone else to go with her but i guess that's okay i mean if if he came along then we wouldn't really meet john candy <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely a plus in the movie oh yeah uh the next scene the it's a this one isn't the the popular of the after the shower kind of scene but it's it's the first one you know uh, kevin's 
you know, he's got the uh, towel wrapped around his waist and he's talking to himself. Um, apparently he misplaced his toothbrush, you know, somebody probably just packed it for him. Because we don't see him pack and they kept on telling him earlier in the movie, to, you know, to, to pack, um, mm -hmm. to pack himself. So, yeah, he can't find a toothbrush and he says, you know, he'll probably go pick up one up later. And um, so this this scene, you know, I think for most kids didn't quite understand, like, what is he putting on his cheek that makes mm -hmm. him scream? You know, he kind of slaps himself in the in the face. It's a very famous scene. But Phoenix, do you know what it is? Is it some type of thing that makes your face softer, like lotion? Kind of, yeah. It's aftershave. Um, now, Michael, does aftershave really burn? I, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't use it. And uh, I'm going to blame Home Alone because it terrified me as a child. So as, <laughs> yeah. as an adult, when I actually start shaving, I never use aftershave. So... Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't I, imagine it's this this bad though. Yeah, I I've I've never I don't want to say I've never I I want to say maybe I have tried it just to see if I get that same reaction, yeah. and I almost want to say like no. And and here's the thing like um, Kevin's eight years old in the movie, mm -hmm. right? I gotta imagine that the only way that it's burnt is if you had shaved, right? Because now your skin's a little bit more. Um, you know, the pores are, I don't know, a right. little bit more exposed and, you know, things like that. So having a very soft skin, I can't imagine it actually burning. But it, it, it's funny. You know, it's for the kids. Um, I, I think we all liked it as a kid and probably just like, you know what, no more aftershave. And it's funny because I don't know if that's really a thing anymore, right? It's probably, probably for the uh, older generation that right, maybe right. still uses that. Let's see. So Kevin, uh, he we, we see him in Buzz's room, and he's looking up at this uh, shelf. It's really, really high, which Phoenix actually asked me during the movie, like, how does Buzz himself get on top of this shelf? I, I didn't find it to be that high, because oh, for Kevin it is, but I think Buzz is tall mm -hmm. enough that he can probably grab it standing. So uh, I don't know if you got a sense of it being, like, extremely high. I think just from Kevin's point of view it was. Well, I, I thought that maybe it could be slightly awkward, even for Buzz, as far as on the top shelf. But it also seemed like, you know, he had at least one younger brother here in Kevin who he wanted to keep out of his things. And so that I understood why it would be put in such an awkward position uh, high up. Uh, if you do have, you know, younger brothers and sisters that are getting into your stuff all the time. Yeah, I'm constantly telling Phoenix to put things away so, you know, his younger brother doesn't come around and <laughs> do things. Like, he's got one of those uh, standing mirrors, you know, where he can see his, you know, uh, what's that hashtag? Um, OOTD, outfit of the day. <laughs> right, so, you know, Phoenix has one of those mirrors. And uh, he's, a lot of times he'll leave it out. And then, you know, I have to keep reminding him, like, hey, put it away because you don't want, you know, your brother coming in here and breaking that, uh, you know, that mirror. Because those are really flimsy. You know, those those break easily, and I think those were one of the common mirrors that I've, you know, broken growing up. Uh, but, yeah, so Kevin climbs this shelf, uh, and it doesn't withstand. It kind of breaks, and everything falls on him. Pretty funny scene there. And uh, he gets that lunchbox down, and inside, you know, it's like um, not a whole lot of money, to, to be honest. It only looks like a few dollars, but Kevin calls it Buzz's life savings. Um, let's see. Uh so he, we see Kevin. He, he's he's walking now. He's obviously walking to the store. Um, he sees a car or a van in the Murphy's driveway, and he kind of questions, like, "Oh, I thought they, uh, you know, went to Orlando." And you know, but he shrugs it off. But inside the house, which at a kid I didn't realize that they were in the neighbor's house, you know, in the van mm -hmm. that that all went over my head. But Harry and Marv, they're inside robbing that very house. And uh, um, Peter calls and leaves a message on the answering machine. And um, this is where Harry 
uh, no, Marv, he figures out that, yeah, the family really is gone. You know, so, uh, you know, they plan on going back. Uh, yeah, so everything this... that Kevin's parents do just puts him in greater danger in this film. <laughs> yeah, they, they sure do. Yeah, but I, I do like the, the callback to, you know, earlier when Kate tells Leslie to, you know, call all the neighbors, you know, that live on that street, too. You know, and, and not just friends, you know. So, right. Uh, it's good writing, but you're right. You know, the, the family seems to keep putting him in danger. Um, you know, and this kind of goes back to the, the garage being op uh, open, too. Uh, I, I did kind of miss, miss that little scene between uh, Peter and Kate where she's trying to remember everything that, uh, you know, what is it that they might have forgotten? And uh, Peter mentions that he left the garage open. And he says it nonchalantly, too. And I'm thinking, you live in a nice neighborhood, yes, <laughs> but like you, you left your garage open. You can come back and your cars would be gone. Right, right, exactly. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. Okay, so let me see. Uh, Kevin, um, he is at the... I don't know if it's a grocery. Well, he's at he's at a store and he is buying a toothbrush and goes up to the lady and asks if she knows if this particular toothbrush is approved by the American Dental Association. Um, I guess I didn't know there was a thing, but I mean I'm sure there is. But I I think it's a very interesting question to be uh, asked by an eight year old kid. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean a toothbrush is a toothbrush to me. I don't know. Um, so he's standing there while this lady and this uh and this other man are trying to figure that out. Now old man Marley kind of comes up, you know, in his slickers, uh, creepily walking up behind Kevin and slams his, you know, bleeding wrapped up hand on the counter and just stares down at Kevin. Doesn't say a word. Um, which I don't know if you noticed, but he was holding one of those old tin cans of uh, band aids. <laughs> So I never caught that before, but that no, dates the movie there. Yeah, it's a, it's the tin can one, so it's not even like a, an actual cardboard box. Um, yeah, it doesn't say a word to Kevin. Kevin starts backing up and ultimately <laughs> uh, runs out of the store. You know, the, the lady, uh, you know, tells one of the uh, the stock boys, you know, to chase after him because yeah, Kevin runs out, um, running away from old man Marley. But now, now that he's being chased, because I wondered, like, well, Marley wasn't running after him. Why is he still running? Mm -hmm. That's because now he's being chased by, you know, the stock boy or whatever. And right. So, um, I don't know. I thought this scene was was fine. It, I don't think it really did anything except for just making Old Man Marley a little bit more creepy, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, Phoenix, did this scene do anything for you? Uh, no, it just had to make the audience think more of old man marley as someone who is really creepy rather than someone who's an actual human being yeah because uh because the, the 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 boy doesn't chase after kevin very far because there's a police officer who's writing a lady a ticket <laughs> and uh you know the guy's like hey uh thief or shoplifter or whatever it is which then the, the, the cop leaves you know the person he pulled over to chase after kevin over a toothbrush um <laughs> but so the the scene, yeah, it was fine. You know, the cop chases Kevin, and then later on, he's walking home, kind of kind of down on himself. You know that, that that he's a shoplifter. You know, called himself a thief or whatever it is. Now, this this whole series of events that just happened was fine, but there's a deleted scene that they cut out, which I think they should have left in because of what just happened. But later on, Kevin's brushing his teeth, and then he's like, "Oh no, I'm I'm using like stolen evidence, or whatever. I, I need to wipe off my fingerprints." <laughs> So they, they they removed that, which I, I think would have been funny if they left that in, you know, after what what all just happened. So um, I don't know. It, it was a scene that I, I I didn't think it was funny as a kid. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, he's shoplifting now. He's being chased. 
Let's see. So I guess we're presuming that the Harry and Marv still at the Murphys, and Marv um, you know, grabs a, a towel or something and clogs up the sink and turns on the faucet. You know, he goes back uh, out into the van where Harry's waiting and uh, finds out that uh, Marv did it again, as he calls it. You know, and Marv says, it's, it's our calling card. You know, it's uh, we're the wet bandits, and it's something that the greats do, which I, I, I don't know of any great criminals. I mean, I, I know of calling cards, but I thought it was really funny that, you know, he kind of self-proclaims the wet bandits. What do you think of the name wet bandits, Michael? It sounds I mean, I think that it's... <laughs> Um, it's fitting for bandits. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's, it sounds a little harmless, but they're, they are causing mass damage. I mean, not only are they robbing these people over the holidays, but they then like destroy their house too, uh, for no real reason other than a, a trademark, which you're absolutely right. This is not, uh, this is not the Thomas Crown affair or anything here. This is not some sort of slick criminal, like (laughs) (laughs) stealing high end art. Um, why these petty criminals who just steal jewelry and like TVs or VCRs or whatever it was they were after would want to leave a trail, uh, I don't know. But I guess it's fitting with the, the intelligence of the criminals we're dealing with here. Yeah, because this is this, this scene we, we found really funny. But, you know, they're kind of arguing back and forth. And um, um, uh, Harry is, you know, p- slowly pulling out of the driveway. And it's not really paying attention. Kevin happens to be w- walking by, you know, that <laughs> very sidewalk. You know, and again, he's he's kind of down, uh, disappointed with himself for shoplifting. And it's not even paying attention to the car. And uh, so the car is slowly and uh, it, it almost uh, hits Kevin, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, uh, Marv is the one who stopped Harry. And they stop on a dime too, because it's like literally inches away. And I just, I just love the way that, uh, that it's shot, because Kevin doesn't really scream until like the car stops. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think that remains yeah. one of the funnier moments in the film. I think so. Phoenix had a pretty, uh, pretty good chuckle at that. Uh, and you know, they they kind of yell at him for not, you know, you know, to watch where he's going. And uh, Harry, no Marv, you know, says Santa don't visit the funeral homes, buddy. You know, <laughs> it was kind of a weird line, but sure, you yeah. know, they're that's, that's who they are. It makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, because I don't know why, why would Santa visit dead kids? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, but uh, you know, Harry Harry gives him a little smile after saying Merry Christmas, and then Kevin remembers that uh, that gold tooth. But I don't think he remembers exactly, but he does kind of like, hey, what do, what do I know that from? Mm. You know, and and uh, I, I guess because of the way Kevin looked at Harry, Harry's a little suspicious now, and then they start creeping up on him. You know, dri- driving behind him on the street. Now it's so funny too because they they do something. You know, the the cartoon bad guys would do you know the kevin stops to turn around they pull over and they look away you know like mm. uh, start whistling like whistling yeah. <laughs> so i i i think that still played well it, it, it's funny um and then you know kevin figures out that they're you know they're chasing after him and then he runs through a nearby church and he kind of hides amongst the um i don't know what what, what what if it's actually called anything but you know the uh, the birth of christ display you know mm. outside the the church there uh, is, is it called anything, Michael? Do you do you know? Because I I don't want anybody you know religious to maybe get offended. Oh, I don't know uh, what it's called. a nativity want... scene. That's what it's called. Okay. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll call it that. I, I'm Buddhist, you know, so I I don't know. <laughs> um, um, we we eventually got it right. Thank you, Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, and then uh, let's see. Then uh, yeah, he he finally loses the. 
the bad guys uh, here in Marv, which there's a deleted scene where um, they can't find them, and then they drive off, and then they, you know, they kind of, I don't know if it was like a, some imp uh, improv going on, but they kind of just have some exchanges going back and forth, and, and th that's one of the cool scenes, too, where they're just kind of driving in the van, and I don't, I have no idea where it goes um, in the movie, but there, there's a little exposition that we find out that Harry actually does not like Christmas. Hmm. Uh, he, he he hates it. Uh, I, I he oh because he does question he doesn't like the fact how families they 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 leave you know to go on these vacations whatever he kind of questions what happened to just staying home around the fireplace and things like that so I I think it kind of gives like a backstory of like how maybe uh, Harry used to love um, Christmas and then maybe something happened you know so there's a little bit of that that was going on. And then there was another scene that was deleted that Marv actually got Harry to sing along to a Christmas song, which I forget what song it was a play on, but they were doing a version of Harry and Marv. You know, uh, they, they were changing out the words, and it was actually kind of cool. You know, maybe maybe I'll rip that and throw that on a bumper. I don't know. It, it was it was very interesting to yeah. listen to Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern actually sing a Christmas carol, but uh, to to uh, substitute the words, you know, to make it you know proper for them. Um, so yeah, check out the deleted scenes, man. They, they, it was fun watching them. I, I stayed up extremely late because I, I didn't want to not watch them because I thought this would be kind of fun tidbits to kind mm -hmm. of throw in. What time did you go to bed? I went to bed close to three o'clock. Oh, wow! <laughs> and then I woke up at seven something uh, to to prepare for this. So uh, it, it's dedication it's new. right life there. Of, that is that, that's a true a podcaster. podcaster. Yeah. Well, not, don't speak Shane, for me. Shane, take notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I consider myself lazy, but thank you. Yeah, Shane's the laziest year. Spend time with family. What a jerk. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so um, yeah. Kevin loses them, and then he kind of runs back home, and he says, "When those guys come back, I'll be ready." I don't know what's changed, um, but but okay. Let's see. So it's late at night. Uh, Harry and Marv they pull up to the McAllisters, and they see the uh, the house is rocking, as uh, as uh, Harry puts it. And uh, through the window, they can kind of see silhouettes of uh, just a bunch of people, you know, dancing. And what is the song? The um, rocking around the Christmas tree. Gosh, it's it's Christmas season right now. I can't I can't <laughs> put the titles together. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that song's going on, and you you see a bunch of silhouettes. And uh, I'm sure for first timers, they're probably like, "Whoa, what's what's going on there?" You know, because we haven't really quite seen uh, how clever you know uh, Kevin really is. And then we see from the inside that he's got this uh, Michael Jordan cutout, uh, life-size cutout that I mentioned earlier. It's uh, like I guess it's kind of um, I don't know. He, he did something where he put it on this train set, so the train is moving. So now it looks like Michael Jordan's walking around the house. He's got this uh, uh, mannequin, you know, standing on a um, uh, vinyl player. Now I don't know if that would actually spin if that mannequin was really on there because of the weight. So that's something that the, uh, you know, the stage crew or whatever, you know, m made it motorized a little mm -hmm. stronger. I don't know. That's just something uh, me as a, I think even as a kid, I would have been like, well, that's not right. You know, because <laughs> we had those back then, you know, Phoenix, well, if he saw one, he'd just be like, oh yeah, it's for scratching, you know? <laughs> um, 
So, Phoenix, do you have any thoughts about this entire setup? Uh, like, Kevin's got all these strings, you know, tied up to his hands and his feet. He's dancing along, moving all these, all these people. I think there's even like a like a figure over by the window, um, probably Mother from Psycho. But there's a figure over <laughs> by the window, you know, like like a, like somebody sipping a drink. So that was really cool, you know, the way he had this all set up. I liked it and all, but it's just that when he was pulling the strings and dancing to it, that they all moved as to exactly his random dance moves. <laughs> that, you know, they would all drink sips and stuff right when he was, like, doing crazy motions. Yeah, I I, I wonder if, like, uh, teenagers and adults at the time were kind of like, oh, that's cute, you know, mm -hmm. but the kids, you know, obviously, I was just like, hey, that's pretty cool, you know. Um, now, at, at, at this point in the movie, Michael, is there anything that Kevin has done that, that you've mimicked uh, as a kid yourself, and I, and we haven't even uh, gotten to the real hijinks yet. Yeah, um, no, other than I guess, uh, yeah, living in Kentucky, there were uh, a number of sort of uh, rural areas and like woods and hills. Uh, so probably maybe uh, some dangerous activities on a sled, like trying to get point and just like flying down a hill. Uh, that's probably the closest I came to mimicking anything he did. Now, obviously, I didn't have a house with the kind of staircase uh, in the front yard that he did, so it was more uh, outdoors and nature. But, uh, yeah, I would say that would be the closest I ever came to like doing one of his little uh, dangerous pranks. Yeah, I did something kind of similar to that, too. Um, uh, we used to have a boat when I was a kid, and I, I remember going to um, Universal Studios, and we saw, like, this... Uh, you know how they have like the um you know the shows you can go watch and we watched the Miami Vice one you know there was like boat chases and you know uh foot chases you know with guns and shooting mm -hmm. and stuff like that and uh I remember going back home and I would set up this uh big inner tube that we have you know one of the really big ones you can slide off of like um you know go when you go sledding at the the mountains or something like that do, do you guys have mountains in Kentucky uh, um, <laughs> we don't have uh, what I would call mountains. We have uh, we have hollers and hills. Uh, we have some cliffs and things of that nature, but nothing nothing quite high that I would think would classify as a mountain. Yeah, uh, but so yeah. Anyway, so the, this tube, I, I would set it up on the side of the on the side of the boat, and I would pretend I'm driving the boat, and I, I would pretend that, like, somebody, you know, shot a rocket launcher at me or something, and the boat's about to explode, then I'd have to jump into the water. So instead of the water, I'd jump onto the inner tube. So I used to do stunts like that, too, and, um, you know, pro probably about the, uh, around the time this movie came out. So I don't know. Uh, maybe it gave me a little bit of confidence to do things like that, watching movies like this, to see a kid my age or slightly older than me at the time, you know, to... Uh, yeah, because later on he zip lines too, you know, which is mm -hmm. a little jumping ahead. Okay, uh, the next scene, uh, well, actually, no, th that same scene, yeah, they, uh, Harry and Marv, they decide to leave, and um, actually, that's it, they just leave. Uh, the, yeah, the next scene, the family is in France, and they're watching TV, it's all in French, uh, and Frank found the shrimp cocktail, which uh, there's an extended version of this where this wasn't the beginning of the scene, there was actually more stuff before it, where uh, Peter's still on the, um, you know, on the phone with an operator. And it is really cool. I took French in high school, so uh, a, a lot of these things that they were saying, I actually understood. Um, the Peter, he's actually trying to talk to, uh, I'm assuming the operator, and he says a, a phrase in, in French, too. It's um, uh, Basically, he's saying, is there, is there any, is anybody there that speaks French, is the translation. <laughs> so, what? Is there anybody there that speaks French, but it's... English. English. <laughs> is there anybody there that speaks English? 
Let me see. Uh, Kevin's uh, sister uh, and Buzz. I don't know the sister's name, but they're they're just kind of talking about Kevin and the sister. She's obviously um, kind of worried for Kevin, you know, and uh, his safety. And Buzz is like reading a magazine or something, and he doesn't even care, you know. He's like, uh, you know, he mentions that Kevin can use a few days. Actually, I think he mentions two or three days <laughs> at this point. You know, he's like, yeah, you know, Kevin can use mm-hmm. a few days uh, in the real world. That made me wonder how much does Buzz know about the real world at this point? Like, I didn't know really as a teenager what he was referring to. Uh, obviously, you mentioned they live in a pretty nice house, and uh, I don't, I don't know if Buzz really is that uh, mature, or responsible that he's out there in the real world. Uh, but I think that no, no, that no, plays to his character, though, of kind of being a jerk. Oh. Yeah, absolutely, and, and not only that, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, Buzz isn't, isn't so bright, mm-hmm. and uh, so th- th- this scene uh, I think is extremely funny. But this is where, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably play a clip. But but the joke is that uh, um, Buzz is giving three reasons as to why he's not so worried. I forgot each of the reasons. He's a little helpless. Do you think he's flipped out? A little child can use a couple of days in the real world. You're not at all worried that something might happen to him. No, for three reasons. A, I'm not that lucky. Two, we have smoke detectors. And D, we live in the most boring street in the United States of America where nothing even remotely dangerous will ever happen. And this time around, I never caught that before. And I thought this was hilarious. I was like, he went from A2 to D. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then that third option, yeah, he just says that uh, they live in the you know most safest neighborhood that nothing could possibly happen. Which. Idiot. Yeah, idiot, because it, 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 well, it cuts to, again, the pizza delivery guy hitting the statue uh, right at that moment. Uh, and so we see Kevin, uh, he orders a pizza. So this scene, it, it's it's kind of funny, uh, but... It wasn't needed. Actually, I, I think it is, because it kind of shows, uh, it, this is kind of foreshadowing, because he's going to have to do this again later. Um, but he plays, uh, you know, the angels with uh, filthy souls. He, he plays, like, you know, clips of the dialogue to kind of, um, I don't know, I guess talk with the, the the pizza guy. It's not needed if it doesn't pay off later. You know, I, I would think that it's kind of, I mean, grown up now, I'm looking at it like, okay, Kevin, how do you know exactly when to pause, when to play, when to rewind, mm-hmm. when to fast forward? It just, it, it wouldn't work. Because like now, I mean, we obviously have like soundboards and things like that that you can play. Um, but I don't know. I, if, if you were the pizza delivery guy and... I think, okay, the volume had to have been turned up. You would obviously, it, it couldn't sound like a real person, could it? I wouldn't think so. Then again, he is, you know, Kevin's extremely talented with that uh, VCR clicker. Um, I, I guess, you know, it, it's so unbelievable that someone would be able to accomplish that, that as a pizza guy, I would have to believe there is some angry old man in there. And at the very least, I guess Kevin adds the fireworks for extra effect for to bring some reality into it as opposed to just playing a TV. But as an adult, and that's actually. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, that's actually only with Mar that he's the firecracker. Otherwise, he just turns the volume up really loud. Oh, yeah. so you just do that. See, so okay. So yeah, it doesn't make any sense because the, I was going to say that that television. I don't think he's in the kitchen. Has got uh, some sort of surround sound set up <laughs> to where oh, yeah. where it sounds like it's right there next to the door. So yeah, it would probably even turning it up, it would still sound muted. But uh, I, I still yeah. give total credit to McAllister for being able to get the exact dialogue right on every time he fast forwards or rewinds. Yeah, I, I guess you're right that it probably isn't needed because I mean you're bringing back the pizza delivery guy. I mean yeah, you could just do it with the one time with Marv, and that mm-hmm. should have been fine. The only thing is that it just pays off that Kevin can do this, and um, 
And I, I guess when Marv comes around later on, that uh, you know, even with Under Pressure, he could... Well, no, he just hits play with that one. The, mm -hmm. um, but this one, uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess this is going to pay off in part two. But yeah, I don't know. Okay. Uh, next scene, uh, Kevin singing along to White Christmas. Uh, now, this is the... the, the um, I don't know, the post-shower scene that I remember the most because he is singing along to White Christmas, which is one of my favorite uh, Christmas songs, I'd say. Uh, and, you know, he's getting ready. And, again, does the, the whole aftershave thing. So I'm not sure why they did this one again. Uh, may maybe it just shows that he's kind of starting to get a little comfortable being home alone, I suppose, that now he's even singing along to Christmas songs. Yeah, this this whole sequence, I, I don't know as far as... I, I guess it just kind of... Uh is a dividing point between the shenanigans that's going to come later. Um, I don't know, maybe just a little bit of a breather beforehand. Yeah. Okay, uh, the next scene, uh, Kevin's shopping for groceries, which there's a deleted scene where he's actually talking to a lady, and he's trying to um, ask her, like, uh, he's giving the description of what he's looking for, and she's like, fabric softener? <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, he's actually talking to a lady in the grocery store, and uh, she's like, oh, are you uh, pushing the cart for mommy? He's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he so he's at the checkout <laughs> and he's purchasing a bunch of things uh, to include army men, you know, bags of army men. Um, I'm not too sure why. And the cashier kind of does something weird too. She kind of holds it up and looks at him like, you know, what's up with this? And he's like, oh, it's for the kids. <laughs> like, I, I don't even know why that was a thing because like, you know, he, he's a kid. Yeah, army men. What? So what? You know. Yeah, I, I don't know I, why I you're why you're questioning the eight year old. Obviously, that's probably for him. I mean, it's. It's cute that he gets to have his line, like that he's like a parent. But yeah, I don't know why she gave him a weird look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's for the kids. Yeah, and then she starts asking them, you know, uh, you know, who's he with, uh, where where the parents are, and uh, I don't know. I I guess this scene's fine, you know, for for the little kids. You, you know, Kevin kind of says that uh, yeah, he doesn't want to answer the questions because uh, you know because she's a stranger. You know, so maybe that's just kind of a little message for the kids, like yeah, if you're home alone, don't talk to strangers. Um, and then Kevin's walking home, and the bags rip, uh, which I thought was kind of funny, too. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe he was watching, uh, walking kind of far for, for the bags to actually rip, because I, I don't think that would actually really happen. Because it, it didn't appear that he was actually, you know, that he purchased that many stuff. I mean, the heaviest thing was probably the milk. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, so Kevin's doing laundry, and he finally c confronts his fear of the furnace, which I, I guess that's fine. I mean, maybe that kind of leads up to him confronting the you know, being able to hold his own, you know, when coming, um, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe with these bad guys, I guess. Uh, so we see Harry and Marv, and they're outside uh, the McAllisters, and they definitely think no one's home. Um, you know, having seen the night before that uh, the, the house was jumping, right? So Harry sends Marv to go check on the house. And I thought that was funny, too, because Harry's like, yeah, you know, go check on it. And then there's this extremely long pause and then Mars like, wait, what now? <laughs> you know, um, and uh, so he goes to the back door, which uh, I think Kevin was maybe eating breakfast or something, but um, maybe he's washing dishes. I forget. I think washing he, dishes. Yeah, he's washing dishes, and then he hears like um, Marv from outside the door, which Marv sticks his foot through the doggy door. I don't know why. <laughs> Gets his shoe caught and then his shoe falls on the inside of the uh, inside of the house, and then this is where uh, Marv actually drops the uh, the sh word, which, like, I was like, oh, they that's really in there, um, yeah. So he, uh, he sticks his hand back in and grabs the shoe, and and then Kevin quickly turns on the uh, uh, that movie Angels mm -hmm. with the Filthy Souls, 
and then uh, you know Marv kind of mistakes it for you know two people actually inside the house, and this is where Kevin you know grabs the pot and um, uh, and then puts the firecrackers in there, lights them up. Right. And I, I actually I kind I kind of like this. I, I you know I it's not out of the realm of possibility that kids tried this at home, but I I didn't. No, for sure. Just it it, it looks dangerous. Um, I also just was so, not talented enough. I, just, I, I couldn't even yeah. master the VCR that quickly, uh, much less adding like real life explosive props. Yeah, D- don't you wish that you had those uh, Harmony remote controllers back then? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> they could probably, probably do everything by itself. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Marv thinks that there was you know uh, a guy getting shot by another guy. Runs out to Harry. You know, and uh, you know if 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 I was Harry and Marv is running at me full speed and said one guy blew another guy away, <laughs> wouldn't you have like driven off? Like he's standing there, he's like, oh, what'd you hear? He's like, oh, one one called the other one snakes. You know, and then they're like snakes. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Like, dude, drive off. But I know I I, I kind of get it because um, uh, Harry says, you know, why don't we wait here and see who comes out? Because you know, if the cops come questioning. You know, like uh, anything about a murder, they can put a face, you know, to it. They'll have and a uh, not get out of jail free card for themselves basically yeah yeah and well e- even if if that was the case yeah i'm sure you know uh marv would screw something up and say hey, <laughs> by the way we're the wet bandits <laughs> you know so um the the, the next scene kate is at uh, another, another airport talking to yet another attendant trying to catch a flight um you know they're kind of just going back and forth and i guess she listed that she's been in like what, three different cities by now uh, in the background, we see uh, John Candy, uh, who plays Gus Polinsky. Uh, he overhear, uh, overhears her and uh, uh, gives her a proposition. You know, says that um, you know he, the, him and his group are willing to take them to uh, or take her to Chicago. And I, I really like like, like the scene too because when he first introduces himself. He just kind of rambles on about the whole polka thing, mm-hmm. you know, that they play polka. He lists off a bunch of songs. Can you excuse us for a second? Can I see you for a second, please? Excuse us. No, Couldn't help but hearing you're, you got a little bit of a dilemma there. We got a crisis ourselves. <laughs> Allow me to introduce myself. Gus Polinsky. All right. Polka king of the Midwest. The, the Kenosha kickers. Hi there. Hi. No? That's okay. I thought you might have recognized it. Anyways, um... I had a few hits a few years ago. Uh, that's why, you know, just polka, polka, polka. Polka, polka, polka. No? In Twin Lakes polka. Tamahuji polka, a.k.a. Kiss Me polka. Polka twist. These are songs. Yeah. Yeah, we... Some fairly big hits for us, you know, in the early 70s, you know? <laughs> yeah, we sold about 623 copies of that. In Chicago? No, Sheboygan. Very big in Sheboygan. They loved it, you know? I'm sorry, did you say you could help me? Uh, so <laughs> I thought that played really funny. Uh, uh, John Candy was... Um... I, I I miss him, you know, gone gone too soon kind of guy, and uh, he's got like two, uh, he's got three scenes, but two two of them are are the big ones, and I, I think he really uh, kind of steals it, you, you know, uh, his delivery and stuff like that. Really funny guy. Um, but yeah, anyway, they're they're renting a van, they're gonna head to Milwaukee, and uh, and they're gonna they offer to take her along, drop her off in Chicago. Um, next scene, Harry and Marv are in their van, and they see Kevin cutting down a Christmas tree and realizes that uh, they've been scammed. Uh, Phoenix, if you were at home alone, would would you cut down a Christmas tree and get that all ready yourself? No, because we have a fake one, so I just go down to the garage. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, he, he would go down to the garage, and so so you'd do that. You, you'd be like, well, Christmas is coming up. Uh, let me grab grab the tree, put it up for myself. Probably, yeah. I man, the, I, like even even as an adult, I'm like, man. I, 
I don't know if I would have done that. Go cut a Christmas tree. Like, yeah, I, I'd maybe go buy a fake one or go buy one that's already cut. But Kevin's in the backyard actually sawing off, um, you know, a portion of the tree himself, which, okay. Uh, so Harry and Marv, they, they go over to the house. They're looking through the window, and they see Kevin, um, um, you know, decorating the tree himself, which this is pretty quick. He, he must have been moving really fast. Uh, so he's putting uh, the ornaments on the tree, and he can see... Harry's reflection in the ornament in the window, and he kind of pretends to call out to his dad to kind of, um, you know, scare them off. But I, I don't think they buy it because they kind of mentioned that they're gonna they're, they're gonna come back. And it's funny because Kevin looks out the window and they're they're walking off and they're talking extremely loud too. They're talking about coming back later at night at nine o'clock, which is mm -hmm. funny because earlier they were like, um, you know, uh, walking around the house late at night and they were whispering. But in the daytime, they're they're shouting out loud so that way Kevin can hear their plans. Um, we get a brief scene right after this. They're, they're in the polka mobile. Uh, Gus asks Kate to blow his clarinet, <laughs> which she kindly declines. Uh, and then the next scene, Kevin goes to visit Santa's helper, which, uh, at this time, I, I think this scene could have been cut. I, I, I don't think it really brought anything. Um, but he goes to a guy who's dressed like Santa, you know, he, he... Yeah, you know, calls him out. It's like, you know, I know you're not the real Santa. You're just his, his helper. Can you please tell him that, you know, um, you know, to bring back my family, uh, basically. Phoenix, mm. do, do you have any thoughts on this at all? Uh, you're right. It was unneeded, but, you know, he, he got some Tic Tacs out of it. <laughs> yeah, right. He got the Tic Tacs. Yeah, that's funny that that's still around, but uh, I guess it probably wasn't as popular as when they right. first came out. Yeah, I thought it was just there um, just so it would show that Kevin wants his family back before he goes to this huge trauma of this battle with the uh, home invaders i thought that was pretty much the only reason it's there that he just talks to somebody else uh so that it doesn't seem like he's wishing for them back out of fear uh just uh, like he's actually genuine like when he's asking Santa, like that's all he wants for christmas but uh, it is a little lengthy especially at the point in the film where it's coming you kind of want to like get on to the the battle if you will yeah, yeah, you're, you're right, because it, it's it's kind of leading up to that. But then right after this, Kevin's walking by uh, that church from mm -hmm. earlier, and then he decides to go in. Mm -hmm. um, and then and then I feel, for lack of a better word, I feel that it kind of slows down now, because he goes in, you know, the choir singing Oh Holy Night, which uh, I, Phoenix and I, we actually have the, the same choir teacher. So the, so the choir teacher I had is still there. Mm -hmm. um, and recently, you know, I went to their performance, and... One of the um, uh, choir groups there saying "Oh Holy Night." I actually like their version better. Would you, Phoenix, did you have any thoughts on this version of "Oh Holy Night"? I didn't really notice too much difference. Okay, it, it was it's just the way it was arranged. Um, I, I thought it was fine, but uh, yeah, Kevin sits down and he sees uh, Old Man Marley over there. So we get this exposition, you know, some backstory. So I I, I just felt like I I kind of get it, um, but I just felt it slowed down. And then watching the supplemental material, I, I found out that. Marley was not even in the original script that that uh, Chris Columbus kind of uh, he kind of wanted it added, you know, to kind of bring, I don't know, uh, a sense of I, I forgot the word he used, but I kind of got it, you know, as to why, you know. Um, but, yeah, we find out that uh, old man Marley, yeah, he's he's not, you know, who he what people say he is. You know, he's, he tells Kevin, you know, you, you can say you can say hello next time you see me, you know, we're neighbors, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, we find out that uh, Marley is estranged from his son, who's grown up now, and that's why he's there. He's watching his granddaughter perform. Um, so, you know, they, they, this is where they kind of, uh, you know, Kevin and Marley, they, they, they give each other, you know, some advice. Uh, Kevin says, you know, why don't you call your son? You know, you're, you're, um, 
you know, you never know if if you try, you know, just because he misses his son. Um, what, does does Marley give him advice? I, I kind of forget though. I, I mean, I, I know the the thing he gives, Kevin gives him one to kind of. Maybe was it the family thing to kind of love your family more or something or yeah, it, something with the dad maybe. Um, it seems I agree with you. It seems like Kevin actually gives more advice than the. The older man give it to a child, which is is strange. Uh, but I think also plays well with that character because he's clearly had many opportunities just to say hello himself. And it's actually I think more on the adults than it is on the child to like speak to like a young man. Like <laughs> like you mentioned earlier that scene in the uh, the uh, I guess when he's shopping, yes, and he puts his bloody hand like slams on the table. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Like that's something only like yeah. freaks would do. Uh, so yeah, I, I totally. Agree. That's pretty much Kevin giving advice well, here, which is, I guess, is like kind of a cool flip to have the eight-year-old uh, dispensing yeah, advice. I, I guess you're right. Um, I, I don't, th- I don't think that this scene wasn't needed um, because mm-hmm. you know they're obviously you know building a little bit rapport between the two. Because I, I, I think I believe that because of this scene, it do, it will pay off. You know, at, at the climax of the movie. Um, so I, yeah, I guess I kind of get it. But yeah, it's fine. The, the the only funny thing I liked about the scene was that Kevin talks about a kid would get beat up for like wearing dinosaur pajamas. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So we, uh, I guess, uh, b- bullying, you know, hasn't stopped. You know, uh, after all these years, unfortunately, um, it, it just seems like in the more recent uh, memory here, it's just gotten a little bit more violent. You know, as mm-hmm. opposed to just the, getting beat up for for dinosaur pajamas. Um, so Kevin runs home. And we get a little montage of uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin setting up uh, booby traps. Uh, and then we see Harry and Marv. They show back up as Kevin was about to have a late dinner, which uh, they mentioned earlier that they'd come back at 9. So um, these these thieves, at least they're on time, right? You know, they said they'd come back at 9. So they're, 9 sharp, too. <laughs> yeah, 9 o'clock sharp. They're there right before 9. Uh, and Kevin's about to have dinner at 9 o'clock, which, again, that's extremely late. But, okay. So well, they, as they we saw earlier, the, Harry is yeah. all about his uh, time. He's all about when the lights switch off. So I, I think he's probably got a schedule yeah. down pat. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, he's very precise uh, being, you know, places at certain times. Uh, they, they go to the back door, uh, and I, I guess they decide on the back door because they <laughs> they kind of joke around that maybe Kevin will let him in because, you know, he's young, you know, and young kids are stupid. But, like, what, what's the difference between the back door and the front door? You know, the only reason they go to the back door because of that doggy door. Know. You know, that, that that's that's really mm-hmm. it. It's, it's director's choice because of that doggy door. That's that's really the only reason. Uh, but they go to the back door and they're talking, and then Kevin, uh, you know, he has the BB gun from earlier, kind of, uh, you know, sticks it out of the doggy door and shoots uh, Harry between the legs. Uh, and then uh, Marv, he sticks his head through the doggy door. He sees Kevin in the prone position, and then he smiles at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, but then he gets shot in the head too, uh, so that's uh, what, what a way to start off. Both of them get shot by BB guns. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the and least think, of their troubles. Oh yeah, yeah. I I think I'll, I'll take uh, getting shot by BBs all day. I mean they're they're pretty padded. You know it's cold outside, so it really couldn't be that bad. Just because it's at close range, I, I think that's why it hurts so much. I mean, but Marv's the one who had it worse. He got it right in the head, <laughs> in the face. Um, so me, uh, Harry slips on the porch steps. Um, Marv falls down the stairs uh, to the basement. Now, this this I did as a kid, where uh, in the montage we saw Kevin taking water. And Phoenix, you kind of questioned this earlier too, kind of like what he was doing. But he had a bucket of water and he kind of poured it over the steps. Now, um, 
as I understand it, the Midwest gets extremely, extremely cold in the winter, yes? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's very possible that it's, you know, freezing or, or below, you know. So that water is going to turn into ice and make it slippery. Now, I remember as a kid, I tried doing that. You know, I was outside of my porch, you know, I got some water, I kind of watered the, the, you know, our porch. But it, it never got cold enough where it actually froze up. So that's one thing I actually tried doing. And Michael, feel free to throw in, you know, <laughs> as we go through some of the stuff, like, oh, yep, yep, I, I tried that. <laughs> um, actually, I, I, I think from here on, that's probably the only thing I did, to be, to be honest, though, because the rest of it, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, the rest of it's pretty excessive. Uh, let's see. So Marv uh, makes it into the basement. He uh, enters and turns on this light that's, uh, you know, it's, it's got one of those long cords. And he yanks that, and then it, it drops a uh, clothes iron uh, down the chute onto his head. Um, and then uh, Harry burns his hand on the doorknob. Marv walking up the steps that has tar. He loses his shoes, uh, shoes and socks. And then he steps on a nail that uh, uh, Kevin planted in the tar too and falls off the steps. So the rest of this, I'm just actually going to run down exactly what's happening. Let's see. Harry goes through the kitchen, gets his head torched. Uh, Harry walks through a uh, saran wrap that had, um, I don't know, like silicone uh, paste or caulking silicone I, I don't know exactly what it was but you know it, it's sticky enough that uh, you know the, the feather you know gets all over him uh, Marv goes through the window and steps on ornaments uh, and then they slip on micro machines so that was a that's a callback from earlier when the, the dad brought that up you know about the uh, the micro machines so they slip on that they run up the stairs and they both get hit with swinging paint cans uh, and then now Harry says one of the most weirdest lines ever. He goes, you know, he says that he's going to snap off Kevin's cojones and boil them in motor oil. Um, wow. Wow, what a line. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kevin calls the cops and says that his house is being robbed and says that uh, that he's Murphy. I see. So I didn't get this as a kid. Uh, and I didn't, I guess as a kid, I also didn't know that the Murphys were the neighbors across the street or wherever they are. So... If you're paying attention, uh, the Murphys are the family uh, or the neighbors. So Kevin is probably going to run over to the Murphys. And it's funny that he even has to do it in that kind of voice. Like he could have pretend to be Mitch Murphy and say, help, you know, the robbers are coming to my house. But he fakes this grown up voice, which is, you know, you, you can tell it's fake. It's a kid playing an adult. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, he calls the cops over. Uh, Marv trips over a wire, falls flat on his back. Um and uh, Harry grabs onto Kevin's ankle. And then, uh, I, I guess I failed to mention that throughout the movie that we see like the tarantula just crawling all over the house. So Kevin grabs the tarantula and he puts it on Marv's face. And like we, we had a really big laugh. Um, uh, Marv just screams, uh, you know, with the tarantula on his face. Which I found out that uh, during filming, um, Daniel Stern was not actually screaming because they didn't want to scare the tarantula. Mm -hmm. So that was added in later because I, I kind of wondered about that. And also, wasn't it just so one take? It would only do one take with the spider on his face? I believe it was, yeah. Uh, and it's just funny because uh, Mar uh, Harry is kind of kind of getting up. You know, he was kind of knocked out for a little bit. He, he gets up, and then the tarantula is on him. And then, you know, Marv stands up, tells him not to move, and then he starts uh, hitting him with a crowbar, you know, trying to kill the tarantula, <laughs> which now, you know, kind of shows, like, what, what kind of an idiot Marv actually is. It's mm -hmm. like he's using a crowbar to try to kill the tarantula that's on top of Harry. But uh, very, very funny scene, very violent. Um, 
Kevin's zip lines from the house to a tree house in the backyard, which I, I like this too because it, it shows that he is a kid, right? It, it didn't make it so he would land safely. You know, it goes so fast that there was no way to stop that he actually runs through the wall of the of the tree house too. So I, I kind of like that. That's a good detail there. Um, the Marvin Harry, they climb out on the rope. They get about halfway until Kevin cuts it uh cuts the rope with uh, bush trimmers, which I don't think that would actually ever work, uh, but they fall down. Uh, Kevin runs to the Murphys and goes through the flooded basement, and uh, Harry and Marv, they meet him on the, on the inside of the kitchen. Uh, they hang him on a hook, which is totally not believable, um, <laughs> because it would just rip his sweater, uh, and they threaten him. And um, now, Michael, did you catch any of the things, uh, any of the threats? I mean, they, they just said that they were going to do the stuff that he did to them, you know, yeah. iron to the face. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think, like, anything else that they threw in that wasn't, uh, you know, something that he's done to them. Because well, the, they were pretty... The very last they, one. threatening to kill him. Well, I mean, and biting his fingers off. Uh, that didn't All right. <laughs> happen, obviously. Yeah, yeah, each of his fingers. Which I, I guess during filming, Joe Pesci accidentally did bite Macaulay Culkin's finger. Because we were watching the uh, the uh, the making of, and it was a grown-up Macaulay Culkin. And he's like, yeah, I still got the scar here from Joe. Oh, wow. and he's kind of Yeah, he's pointing at his finger. We don't see it, but uh, he's pointing at his finger. He's like, yeah, I still got the scar. It was an accident. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was from like 2006. Hmm. Um but at this time, uh, Old Man Marley saves the day, hits the, both of those guys from the shovel. So I think that's why the, the scene, you know, uh, helps out earlier. Because had they not had that talk earlier, why would Old Man Marley all of a sudden come and help Kevin? You know, so so I, I guess I kind of like that, you know, that uh, they got to meet earlier. And, you know, now Kevin understands why Marley was there rather than be like, oh, this guy's here too. He might try to kill me. You know what I mean? So I, I think that works. We... Uh, <laughs> We get a scene for uh, Kate and Gus. They're, they're still driving, and then they get a di dialogue of the bad parent. You tell me, have you ever gone on vacation and left your child home? No. no. But I did leave one at a funeral parlor once. Yeah, it was, uh, it was terrible. There, you know, I was all distraught and everything, you know, the wife and I. We left the, the little tyke there in the funeral parlor all day. All day. You know, we went back at night when, you know, when we came to our senses, and there he was. Apparently, he was there alone all day with a corpse. <sighs> He was okay, you know, after six, seven weeks. And I came around and started talking again. Uh, but he's okay. You know, they get over it. Kids are resilient like that. Maybe we shouldn't talk about this. You brought it up. I was just, you know, trying well, to cheer I'm you up. I'm sorry I did. And then the next morning, Kevin wakes up and sees snow out the window, runs downstairs and starts calling out for his mom and realizes he's still home alone. Uh, he goes outside, doesn't see anything. Uh, he closes the door as the polka band's truck pulls up. Kate goes inside the house and starts calling for Kevin. Uh, she sees him, uh, tells him Merry Christmas, and he doesn't look so happy. So, you know, she apologizes, but then he smiles, and then they uh, they hug it out. Uh, Kevin asks, where's everyone else? And then they show up, right then and there. Uh, this this it felt a little rushed, but I get it. It's the end. Mm -hmm. You know, Kevin's outside, shuts the door, boom, Mom pulls up. She goes inside, hugs. A minute later, the family shows up. You know, I, which I wonder how they even got there. You know, maybe they took all, you know, like four shuttles to get them all there. I would have, I would have been a little pissed if I was the mom. Because, Why is that? Know, she was, uh, what's it called, uh, taking a ride from a polka band, and she had to wait a few days at the air, or a day or two at the airport, just, just to get a ride to Chicago. And the family got there uh, on just one airplane ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, um, yeah, and she she says as much. You know, she she asked like Peter like how how they get there, and he's like, well, yeah, we 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 got on that flight that you didn't want to wait for, um, 
So yeah, they yeah coincidentally they they got there basically at the same time. So but but I I, I do appreciate the scenes with John Candy. So I, not that it was necessary. I, I I'm glad that they did include him in those scenes as you know the mom travels back because like I mentioned earlier, I can't imagine. Um, you know, both of the parents being able to wait the two days. I think it does make sense that one of them is like really trying to get back, you know, at, um, at all costs, basically. Um, yeah, so so they're reunited. Kate, um, for whatever reason, wants milk. You know, I, I think it's only added in here just just to have Kevin say, oh, yeah, I went shopping, you know, um, which, yeah, I just thought it was really weird. She's like, oh, yeah, we need milk. Somebody needs to find an open store. Like, it was just really random. They could have just oh. ended it. Um, so Kevin walks out to, uh, walks over to the window. He sees, uh, old man Marley reunited with his family. You know, they look over at each other, give each other a smile, uh, that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, he's smiling and off screen, Buzz shouts out and asks Kevin, what did you do to my room? Um, so in the making of, I, uh, Chris Columbus actually said that it was going to end, uh, on the still shot right after Kevin says, oh, just hanging around, mm -hmm. you know, when asked like what had he been doing. So the stuff with old man Marley, again, he wasn't included. So that stuff was thrown in at the end. I guess it was to kind of make it feel a little bit more like a, like a family homely type movie. Um, so yeah, I, I think it actually ended, I mean, added like a sense of, I really don't know the word for it, but um, uh, like a feel-good moment, and not just like oh, it all worked out at the end kind of thing. You know, it was a happy mm -hmm. moment for for everybody. Um, but uh, Michael, did you have any of the favorite uh, um, uh, booby traps? Favorite booby trap? Um, I think my favorite is actually just one of the more simpler ones, which is when Daniel Stern. It's just attempting to get his bearings at the bottom of the uh, the basement steps, like going down. Uh, and he's obviously he's fallen down uh, numerous times at this point. But just him when he's trying to break open the door and he has this moment of, I guess, just thankfulness that Kevin has left the door unlocked, which we'll see later is just to set further traps and violence that's going to be brought down their head. But I think my, my favorite, the one that still gets me is just him trying to stand up at the bottom of those steps because it's, it's the simplest thing. Uh, but just in reality, you would have a hell of a time trying to break into a door, uh, and you, you can't even like, get your bearings on your feet. So that, that's probably my, my favorite one, just of the, uh, the, the traps is just the, uh, the slick steps and the, the frozen ice that, uh, Kevin has set up. Yeah. And Phoenix, did you, did you have a favorite one? Not exactly a favorite one, but just, just one that made me laugh the most, I guess it was kind of when, uh, Harry, uh, touched the doorknob and it just, it just burned him, uh, mainly because, uh, his reaction to it and the way that he got it cooled down and the fact that he had to go back down the stairs when he struggled so much to get up. Um, my favorite, I think, was the the torch, you know, uh, be, behind uh, behind the door. Uh, yeah, Harry opens up the door and uh, it, it, it ignites this blowtorch and um, uh, hair just caught on fire. Well, he, I don't think he had any hair, <laughs> but his knee definitely caught on fire and, you know, he just flip and, and, and like, you know, goes to put his head into the... Uh, uh, into the snow, so that that was probably my my favorite one. Uh, Michael, what do you think happens after this movie? I I think that uh, Kevin doesn't catch as much hell from his family uh, as far as them belittling him and saying that he's useless and can't pack his own suitcase and can't do this or that. Um, I don't think that his or Buzz's relationship improves because I don't think Buzz is that intelligent, and for that matter, I guess I don't think that him and his uncle. Frank probably get along any better. 
Uh, as far as his parents, though, I think they are definitely more with him and maybe some of his other cousins. And uh, I think they will probably hold him in higher esteem. Uh, but definitely not Buzz or Frank. I think those those are probably uh, two people that uh, no matter what Kevin did, no matter how many times he saves the day, I don't think they're going to have as uh, much respect for him as his other members of the family. Phoenix, did you have any thoughts on what might have happened after the movie? Um, let's see. Two years in the past. Probably nothing Nothing too major. Maybe just the family getting more connected as, as an actual family. Maybe uh, Frank and... Kevin warm up to each other a little bit, but probably not too much. Uh, I don't know, just nothing, nothing big until two years. Okay. Uh, the the only thing I could think of is like maybe the parents they they go to some parenting classes on how to not leave your kid at home, uh, <laughs> things like that. Um, yeah, they're, they're nothing too brief because like part two takes place like a year after, so like <laughs> in in that year. You know, uh, yeah, they, they they probably try to come up with some better ideas on how to be accountable of their kids. Well, I wanted to ask you, is, do you think this yeah. is a story that they tell other friends and family about, or is it too embarrassing to tell them everyone about the time they left their kid at home and they went to Paris? And uh, I mean, it turns out okay, but uh, do you think this is something they kind of keep uh, just within the family? I uh, to, uh, On a serious note, I think they can use this as an example, you know, to, to maybe... Um, to kind of bring awareness to others that yeah this is serious and just just kind of be careful you know in the movie universe it, it, it may be something they kind of keep to themselves uh, i'd imagine but uh, i mean i think in real life like i would be like oh my god the, the, well first off i can't imagine this actually really happening <laughs> mm-hmm. but if it were i, I you know I, I think it'd be something people would share to kind of just help others to be like yeah pre- prevent this from happening uh, Michael, so uh, yeah, pl- uh, tell the listeners how they can get a hold of you. Uh, the best way would be on Twitter. You can find our podcast uh, account there under War Machine Horse. Uh, our podcast name is War Machine versus War Horse, which is obviously too long of a handle for Twitter. But you can also find us uh, we on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Uh, we're also active on Google Plus on a community called Ultimate Movie Geeks. And you can find the podcast itself on iTunes or Stitcher. Okay. And uh, obviously, you can email us at uh, hlfpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at hlfpodcast. And uh, please like our page on Facebook. Just try to, uh, type in Hydrate Level 4. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate and review if you could, please. That will really help out other people find our show. Same thing with uh, War Machine vs. War Horse. Like their page. Uh, rate Thank and review you. their show. You know, they uh, review uh, a lot of the new movies, and they, they put it up against uh, older movies, too. So a very interesting concept. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. check out the show. Uh, Michael, I, I want to thank you for, for coming on. Um, Thanks for having me. Have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I- I- anytime for sure. Um, so, but yeah, um, I guess until the next episode, you know, I'm Peter. I'm Phoenix. And this is Hydrate Level 4.
town. You better not hide. If your doors are open, we're coming inside. Harry and Mark are coming to town. We know when you're out dancing. We know just what to take. We know where all the money is. So come on, give us a break. Oh, <laughs> you better watch out. You, you better, better not hide. If your doors are open, we're coming inside. Harry and Mark are coming to town.